You're listening to Center Church Podcast. At Center Church, we strive to keep Jesus at the center of everything we do. You're about to hear a message from our pastor, Matthew Edwards. But before you do, we want to invite you to visit our website at centercharlotte.org. There you can sign up for our weekly emails and receive new content as we release it. Secondly, we want to invite you to visit our pastor's blog at matthewedwards.cc. And finally, if this podcast ministered to you in any way, go ahead and subscribe and you'll be the first to know when we release more content in the future. Thanks for listening in and be blessed. Keep it very short, very sweet, very simple. So it's going to be two passages of scripture. Uh, but I really felt impressed from the Lord to share this with you this morning. Is that okay? Let's pray real quick. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, as we open your word this morning. We thank you that your word stands eternal and your word is truth. And this morning, Lord, as we look into what your word says, I ask, Father, that you would begin to heal everyone right where they're at in the name of Jesus. You would begin to heal us from everything that we've gone through in the past, our past hurts, even the things we've moved on and said, we're not gonna address this anymore. Father, I thank you that you love us so much. And because you love us so much, you care about everything that hurts us. So this morning, Lord, we rest in your presence and we rest in your love. And I ask, Father, that no one would see me, no one would hear me, but that we would all receive from you, myself included. And we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. So if you have your Bible, you can turn to John chapter 6. And uh, if you don't, it's fine. Like I said, we won't be here very long. I'm just going to show you a few verses here. And I'm going to show you a few verses in John 21. And this came out of my time in Israel as well. Um, Me and my dad did a podcast while we were at the Dead Sea, which is really cool. Swim in the Dead Sea, by the way. And it is exactly what they say. You will float to the top and you have to work hard to put your feet down so you can get out the water. But the Dead Sea was, was awesome. But anyways, we were um, in Galilee, our last day there, and our tour guide said, the same place where Jesus fed 5,000 is the same place he turned around and told Peter, feed my sheep. So when you go there, they don't have a church for the 5,000 feeding. They have a church for where Jesus said, feed my sheep. And again, they have a church that's built around a rock. So uh, when you go there, you can see the water that goes down. I didn't have a picture of this, but you can see the water that goes down. They have a nice little tree with a statue of Jesus and Peter. And Peter's like, oh, my Lord. And Jesus is like, feed my sheep. So (laughs) I don't know why the statue looks like that, but that's the place where he did it. And anyways, when we were there, I asked Mike, I said, wait a second. This is the same place where he fed 5,000. He said, yes, the water's receded over the years, but the water would have come up to this point. This is where Jesus would have fed 5,000. This is where he told Peter to feed my sheep. And when I saw that, straight away, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, go and look it up. Go look it up. Jesus didn't do one thing here. He did two things here. And the miracles are very similar. So I went, I looked it up. I studied it some. And my dad, the next day we were at the Dead Sea, said, let's, let's do a podcast. Let's do a video here for the uh, TV show. And I said, can I use the audio for the podcast? He said, of course. So we're going to put that up at some point, or we may not. I don't know. We'll put that up at some point. But regardless, uh, I'm going to share with you what I shared in that podcast because it was awesome. Is that okay? All right, cool. So look up here in John chapter six, it says, now the Passover, a feast of the Jews was near. And we were there around the time of Passover, which again makes the story so much more cool. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? Now, before we move on, I want you to notice something. Jesus sees a crowd of people coming to him and his first thought is not, where are all these people gonna sit? His first thought is not, we need to get away. His first thought is what? Where can we get food for all these people? Now, what does that say about his heart for you? Every time he sees you, his first thought is not, what are they bringing to me? His first thought is not, what songs do they sing to enter my presence? His first thought is what? What can I do for you? What can I do for you? And I'm telling you, when I saw that, man, I mean, we could camp out here for the rest of this month. Because the first thing his thought was what? How can I feed all these people? 
Isn't that awesome? So anyways, he sees a multitude coming. He says, where can we buy bread that all these people may eat? Verse 6, but this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. That tells me later on, Jesus probably told them, I know exactly what I was going to do. I just wanted to see what you were going to do. Verse 7, Philip answered, and answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many people? Now let me show you something really cool, all right? Watch this. Then Jesus said, make the people do what? Sit down. Now, I'll show you the cool thing in a moment. First thing he says is what? Sit down. Sit down. What is the posture to receive from God? Rest. Sit down. Rest. Sit down. Jesus healed a man one time at the pool of Bethesda, and he came to the man. He said, do you want to be healed? And the man said, yeah, we went there too. He said, yes, Lord, I want to be healed, but there's no one to put me in the water when the water stirs. And Jesus said, take up your bed and walk. Now, it looks like he's not saying take up your, you know, it doesn't look like he's saying rest and walk, but he said, take up your bed, which means it doesn't always mean sit down, but it does mean rest internally. Are you with me? Take up your rest and receive the miracle. When you rest, you're posturing yourself to win. When Esther won in the presence of Haman, her enemy, what was she doing? The Bible says she was reclining on a couch in the presence of the man who wanted her dead. Reclining on a couch. Your posture of victory is not trying to fight. Your posture of victory is do nothing. Rest. And let the king know in the presence of your problem, let the king know I'm in trouble. <laughs> and you know what the Bible says the king did in Esther? Who would be so stupid to attack you? Oh, man. <laughs> I'm telling you, next time you have a problem, determine in your heart, I'm not going to try to figure it out. Just sit down somewhere and say, Lord, I have an issue. And when you rest, he works. Are you with me? You know, the fifth time Noah's name is mentioned. Do you know what Noah in the Hebrew is? Noah in the Hebrew is Nuach. Nuach. You know what that means in the Hebrew? Rest. The fifth time Noah's name is mentioned, the Bible says Noah found grace in the eyes of God. Noah found grace in the eyes of God. Rest finds favor in God's eyes. When you rest, God moves. When you stop resting, God rests. I'd rather me rest and he work for me. <laughs> and I say that graciously out of love. But your father wants to work for you. But before he works for you, you have to do what? Rest. And you know what? We have to keep hearing this. But I'm going to move on. Anyways, he says, make the people sit down. Now there was as much grass. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down in number about 5,000. And I'm going to keep saying this. I told our tour guide, there's so much green. <laughs> Again, this was the time of year. We were there. So anyways, verse 11 says this, And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, so that nothing is lost. Therefore they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. Now, pause for a moment. Jesus literally says, Where are we going to buy bread? Andrew offers up some bread and fish that a little boy brought. Now, we all know the story for the most part, right? He takes the bread and fish that the boy brought, and he multiplies it and says, now we're going to have 12 basketfuls left over once everybody is full. The little boy brought five loaves of bread, two fish. He probably walked away with 10 loaves and 15 fish, right? He's got too much to go home with. His mom says, take this and go, home, go out and eat and follow Jesus. He comes home and says, I got a basketful, right? <laughs> because I gave it to Jesus. Now, why am I putting this out? Keep in mind, Jesus takes what you bring to him. 
He takes what you bring to him, but he doesn't keep it to himself. And in fact, I'm going to show you in just a moment. He doesn't even need what you bring, but he wants you to bring it so that he can take it, multiply it, and give you credit for bringing it. He wants you to bring it so that he can give you credit. He doesn't need what we have, but he wants to give you the credit for it. I'm telling you, I'm going to show you that in just a moment. But anyways, verse 14 says, then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, this is truly the prophet who is to come into this world. And I went and looked it up. They're literally saying Jesus is the one that was promised. He must be the one. This is the one. That miracle gave them a revelation that for whatever reason, every other miracle didn't give them yet. When they saw this miracle, they said he must be the one. This is him. Now, if you keep reading, Jesus realizes they're trying to make me king. That's not why I'm here. So he disappears. But keep in mind, this brought a revelation that no one else had. Now, what part did the disciples play in all of this? Their part was to be used by him to serve the people. He didn't give them the power to do the miracle. He gave them the power to be used by God to do the miracle. Are you with me? To deliver the miracle. Likewise, for me, my job is not to do the miracle. My job is to be used by him to bring the miracle to you. And the same for all of you. When you walk out of this place, your job is not to be responsible for the miracle. Your job is to lay hands on the sick. He does the miracle. You are just a tool. And everyone said, again, your job is not to heal. Your job is to go lay hands. And when you lay hands, you're taking the bread from him. You're giving the bread to them. You are the tool. In here, I get to be the tool. Thank God, right? But you get to be the tool out there. And everyone said, amen. amen. Now, knowing this, knowing this, they all saw what Jesus did. And they all said, clearly, he is the one. <laughs> Only the one can take five loaves of bread, two fish, and feed over 5,000 people. Only the one. Now, let me fast forward. Let's fast forward. Jesus has died at the cross. He's been resurrected. He appears to the disciples in the upper room. And the only one who's not there is Thomas. He missed one service. One service. <laughs> and he will go down in history as doubting Thomas. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. He missed one meeting. <laughs> and he'll go down in history as doubting Thomas. He says, I don't believe it. The second time, eight days later, after he is resurrected, eight days later, Thomas is with him this time. Jesus shows up and says, look at my hands, touch my hands, touch my side. You said you wanted to do that. And Thomas is like, clearly you are alive. I apologize, everyone. I was wrong. He's alive. All right. <laughs> That's the second time. The third time he appears, time has gone between Jesus, the second appearance. And Peter looks around at his disciples, like we said earlier, when Karis was up here, he looks around at his disciples and he says this. I'm going fishing. We got nothing else to do. We gave this man three and a half years of our life. He's not here anymore. What do we do? And so everyone's kind of walking around in circles. And I'm telling you, and I, I heard this years ago, but I want to say this again. And I say this for all of you, for you. People will follow whoever steps up first. They'll follow anyone who steps up first. They, they just will. And it's a sad thing because when you look at the Holocaust, we were in that museum. When you look at the Holocaust, somebody stood up. Somebody said something that was wrong, but people followed him. And I'm telling you, by the grace of God, God has called everyone in here to be a leader. Yeah. You were not called to be a follower. You were called to be a leader. Yes. So you know what? Stand up and make a choice. Yes. And God will bring the people behind. I promise God will bring the people behind you. But you are a leader. So anyways, Peter says, I'm going to go out. I'm going to go fishing. And everyone says, well, let's follow him because we don't have anywhere else to go. So they all go fishing. And they fish all night, but they don't find anything the whole night on the Sea of Galilee, where we were. They didn't catch anything. So the next morning, what happens? Let's follow along. Verse 3. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet, his, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? 
The first time he saw the multitude, what did he say? Where will we get food for them? He sees his disciples and he says, hey, children, do you have any food? Isn't that interesting? I'm t- when I saw the parallel and I saw the connection, I thought, man, all the more reason. You know, you, you don't always need someone to preach to. Sometimes you just need to see God's heart. Yes. I mean that. Sometimes you just need to see God's heart. Sometimes you don't need another inspirational message. Sometimes you don't need another motive. Sometimes you just need to see God's heart. And when you know that God's heart for you is, do you have any food? How can I feed you? When you know his heart for you, every time you say, Heavenly Father, before you get the next word out, his word is, what can I do for you? What do you need from me? Because he loves you. I'm telling you, you don't need anyone to preach to you. You just need to see his heart sometimes. Anyway, children, have you any food? So they answered him from the boat, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast and now they were not able to draw it in because of the, where are we at? Because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved, who was John, anyways, the disciple John, whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he had removed it and plunged into the sea. Now watch this real quick. The disciple whom Jesus loved is actually John, right? The disciple John. Everyone sees the miracle. Everyone's putting it together in their minds. But the one who talks about God's love for him has the most discernment of everyone else. That's why we preach so much 1 John 4.10. Don't talk about how much you love God. Talk about how much God loves you. And your discernment will be greater than everyone else in the room. Are you with me? So the one who talks about God's love for him says, wait a second. He multiplied fish a couple years ago, (laughs) two years ago. This must be Jesus. It's Jesus. And Peter, unlike everybody else, takes off his coat again, bragging about his love for Jesus. Everyone else wants to stay in the boat. I will jump in the water for him. So he takes off his garment. He jumps in the water and he swims to the shore. Now, let me show you how Jesus responds to Peter. But the other disciples came in the little boat for they were not far from land, but about 200 cubits dragging the, dragging the net with fish. Then as soon as they had come to land, they saw the fire of coals there and fish laid on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish, which you've just caught. Simon Peter went up, dragged the net to the land full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. What happens? Jesus didn't say, oh, Simon, thank you for coming first. Clearly you love me the most. What does he do? He waits for everybody else. (laughs) When you know that Jesus loves you, you know he won't leave. He won't leave you. He won't leave you in the mess. He will wait for you. He will wait for you. I'm telling you, you just, we, I just love seeing his heart for all of us. Now, when he finishes, watch this. Peter jumps in the water. He comes to him. When he gets to the shore, the fire they could see from the distance has fish and bread on it. That's why I told you, Jesus doesn't need what you have. The Lord doesn't need what you have. I say this graciously, and as a pastor, I can say this. If I was in another church, I'd get in trouble. I could say this. God does not need your money. Thank you for that thunderous amen. God does not need your paper, which is, came from a tree. He doesn't need it. He doesn't need it. But you know what? When you bring it to him, he gives you credit. Are you with me? He gives you credit. Again, if I was in another church, I'd get in trouble. Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> I can say that as the pastor. What is he going to do with it? You know, the Bible says we talked about two or three weeks ago, a kingdom of priests, when everybody brought their gold on carts, Moses said, God, what do I do? And God said, well, I don't need it. (laughs) What am I going to do with it? Give it to the priest. Okay, Lord, I'll give it to the priest. He doesn't need it. But you know what he does? He's got food already on the fire burning, ready for them to eat. 
He sees what you're going to need before you need it. So he prepares it for you. And then when they come to him, he says, hey, can you bring some of your fish? You've already got fish. Yeah, but I want you to bring your fish. Why? So that you can say you caught it and you ate it. <laughs> when the world looks at you, they say, oh, think about being someone on the other side of the sea. They're casting nets all night and they see another boat. We've got fish. And they see someone jump in the water and they're like, all the fish are over there. So they get over there and all the fish are gone. <laughs> and, then they, and they see somebody on the shore and they're talking with Jesus. And Jesus comes and they take the fish and they give it to him. And they say, well, they must have been lucky. Now think about it. Wouldn't Jesus walk on the water and tell them, no, I'm the one that gave them the fish. That's not how God works. Follow the Old Testament. Follow Jesus himself. Every time God blesses us, it's because he wants us to appear blessed. He wants you to appear, quote unquote, lucky in the eyes of the world. And I say that carefully. He wants the world to look at you and think you're just special. And when they come to you, you, our job is to say, it's not me. It's all him. And that's how he loves to do it. He wants the nations of the world to look at us and say, how did you do it? How did you do it? And Jesus is saying, by the grace of God, the, the implication here is this. I want you to be so favored. I want you to be so blessed. I want you to go to the airport to go home and they say, we'll give you $1,000 to take the next airplane. <laughs> we'll give you $1,000 to take the next airplane flight. And everyone else in the group roll their eyes at you. That's what he wants. And they say, well, it's because they came later. Or it's because they went first. No, it's the favor of God on us. It was expensive, but I came home with $2,000. There you go. You know what I'm saying? Now, again, I'm going to close. I'm just trying to point out God's heart for you. I'm just trying to point that out. Now, let me show you why this is so important. And the Lord impressed this on me, and I'll close with this. It says, he had laid the fish. Verse 10, Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you've just caught. Simon Peter went up, dragged the net to the land full of large fish. Not just fish, large fish. 153. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. The first time Peter cast his net, Jesus multiplied fish, the net broke. The second time, the net's not breaking. What's the difference? Now, Jesus has to do something for Peter. He's got to show Peter something. And when I saw this, this is why I'm sharing this this morning. He has to do something for Peter. And I believe by the grace of God, God is going to do for many of us in here this morning. Okay. John chapter 12, the very next verse, the very next verse, verse 12. It says, Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of his disciples dared ask him, who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. So they're all sitting down and eating, right? They're all eating breakfast. Mm -hmm. What did Jesus do when he fed 5,000? Make everyone do what? Sit down. Yeah. Sit down. He multiplies the bread and the fish. What did he do with his disciples? Come, sit down, bread and fish. Mm -hmm. So you see the parallel, right? And keep in mind, it's at the same place. What is he showing them? What I did before for 5,000, I'll do for 11. What I did for the masses, I'll do for you. He didn't multiply fish because there were so many people. The number of people didn't matter to him. And you see, for me, I see conferences of all these people getting healed, masses of people, and I gotta be at that conference where everybody else was. And the Lord is saying, what I did for 5,000, I would do for you. It's not the number of people, it's you. I move not because of the amount of people. I move because of you. I love you. Oh, man. So anyways, he took the bread and he gave it to them. And likewise, the fish. Who gave the bread and fish out last time? They did. Jesus' job the first time was to multiply it. It was their job to give the fish away. Now, Jesus is taking the fish he just multiplied and he's giving it to them. Jesus is serving them. What a profound truth. Can you drop the volume just a little? What a profound truth. 
Then it comes to what? Verse, thir- verse 14. This is now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Now let me close with this. Watch what happened. On the night of his betrayal, Peter jumps up and says, Jesus says, one of you will betray me. And Peter looks and says, John, ask him who it is. And he says, it's the one I dip my, my bread in. And he goes on to talk about how eventually he'll be by himself. And most of us remember the story. Peter jumps up and says, Lord, I don't care if everyone else betrays you. I don't care if all these, not everyone, all these leave you. I will never leave you. (laughs) And that's when Jesus looks at him and says, oh, Peter, you will deny me three times before the rooster crows. I heard a great man of God say in heaven, Peter's ringtone is a rooster. (laughs) He said, before the rooster crows three times, you'll deny me. And Peter, oh, I don't care if all these, all these, right? Everyone else can, but not me. Again, bragging in his love for Jesus. And Jesus has to correct them, but that time comes. Now, of everyone sitting down eating food, who's the only one who denied Jesus? <laughs> they all left him, but who's the one who denied him? Peter. So what did Jesus do? What I did for 5,000, I'll do for you. All right? Nothing's changed. My heart for you is still the same. While they're all eating, what happens? So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus says to Simon Peter in front of, and I love this picture. He says to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah. Now, keep in mind, who was Jonah? He was swallowed by a whale, right? But what's the story of Jonah? God says, go talk to my enemies. Go talk to your enemies and tell them that I'm going to judge them. And Jonah says, no, because if I tell them you're going to judge them, they're going to repent. And if they repent, you're so gracious, you're going to forgive them. I'm not going to help my enemies. (laughs) He goes the other way. And God says, no, 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 no. I want you. I want you. So he brings a storm. And Jonah says, throw me in the ocean. They throw him in the ocean. God brings a fish in the belly. He says, I can't get away from you. And God says, you're absolutely right. (laughs) So he prays and says, God, I relent and I repent. He says, thank you. He arrives at Nineveh. He goes, preaches judgment. The people repent. God is gracious. God forgives their enemies. And Jonah gets angry. That's the end of Jonah's life. Now, Jesus is sitting here and he just changed his name from Simon, which is a reed, someone who's always on this side and they're always on that side. They're not really stable. They're always blown back and forth by every wind of doctrine. Someone who just floats around. They never really settle anywhere. He calls him, you know what? No longer will you run around like that. You won't be Simon anymore. From now on, you will be a reed. I'm sorry, a stone. Peter. Cephas in the, in, the, in the Greek, Kephas in the Greek, you will be a stone. You won't be moved by anything else. You will be a stone. Now he's looking at that same man he calls a stone who hasn't acted like a stone. <laughs> and he looks at him and says, hey, Simon, son of Jonah. Son of what? <laughs> son of Jonah. What does he say? <laughs> Do you love me more than these? What was Peter's last words in the upper room? All these may leave you, but not me. Jesus says, do you love me? Now, the word love, I went ahead and put it in gold for the sake of time. Do you agape me? Agapeo, or agape in the, uh, the actual word used. Agape, which means, are you willing to lay down your life for me because you love me? We all know the answer to that. We saw what he did. He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you, which is the word phileo. Not to be confused with filet, a fish. Okay, phileo, <laughs> which in the Greek means I love you like a friend. Even in the Greek, the literal translation is, I dearly love you. I love you like a friend. In other words, I'm not ready to lay my life down for you yet. Powerful. So Jesus waits a minute, and what does he say? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. I phileo you. He said to him, feed my lambs. If that wasn't embarrassing, verse 16. He said to him again a second time. A few minutes later, they're all still eating and talking. Jesus is alive. I can't. Hey, uh, uh, Simon, son of Jonah. Here he goes with the title again. Do you love me? Same word, agape. 
Are you willing to lay your life down for me because you love me, Simon, son of Jonah? Peter probably, you know, he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Same answer. Nothing's changed. I'm not ready to lay my life down for you yet. I love you like a friend. I just gave you this answer. Why are you trying to embarrass me? <laughs> he said to him, what? Tend my sheep. The word tend in the Hebrew, I'm sorry, in the Greek, even in the Hebrew translation is the word shepherd. Now, let me point this out. I have one more verse and I'll close with this. Why did he say shepherd my sheep? Because in John 10, Jesus said this, the good shepherd never leaves the flock. The good shepherd doesn't hire somebody else. The good shepherd lays his life down for the, for the sheep. He says, Peter, do you love me enough to lay down your life for me? And Peter says, Lord, you know, I only love you like a friend. Good. Then be the shepherd for my flock. Wow. Wow. So then we come to the very last verse, verse 17, and watch this, and we'll close with this. Verse 17, he said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah. But he didn't say agape this time. He says what? Phileo me. What is Jesus doing? What is he doing? The first time he multiplied fish, what did he do? Everyone was convinced he's the one. The second time he multiplies fish for them, and he feeds them. I have to fix this. I have to fix the scar because I can't just let Peter run into the ministry. He's wounded. I can't let Peter run into ministry because the last time Peter saw me, he ran into the darkness screaming and crying because he betrayed me. Are you with me? He denounced me. He can't just let us run into ministry. He says, first, I have to serve you and I have to do the same thing I did to show you who I really am. I love you so much. I won't let you work for me. I have to fix you first. I have to heal you first. And I'm telling you, when I was getting ready this morning, the Lord said, son, I want to heal my people because some of them are still wounded. Some of us still have wounds and scars from years past that we haven't really said, Lord, you can deal with this. But I'm telling you, by the grace of God, the Lord is saying, let me heal you. Let me heal you. And you know what? For me as a kid, it started with this. It started just like, like Peter. Well, I love God. We go up in the church. I love God. I love God. But if the truth is no, when you go to school, I'm not ready to say, well, I'm a Christian, you know, and, and just being honest. You know? In high school, they say, you're a Christian and you just stop saying it because, you know, you act like the rest of the world. <laughs> if I'm being honest and we all struggle with it at some point. And what does Jesus say? You don't have to be willing to lay your life down for me, for me to say, I still trust you with my sheep. I still trust you. So what does the Lord do? Are you willing to lay your life down for me? He says, no. Again, are you willing to lay your life down for me, Peter? No. Then be a shepherd to my sheep. That's heavy. Then he finally comes down the third time and says, hey, Peter, do you love me like a friend? What did he do? He came from up here down to here. Are you willing to admit that you only love me like a friend? Are you willing to admit you're not ready to lay your life down for me? And what does he say? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. I don't know how many more times I can say it. Lord, you know everything. At this point, I'm embarrassed. It is what it is. I, okay, yes. <laughs> you know all things. You know that I phileo you. He never changed his word. And you know why? Because at this point now, he's ready to be honest. I'm ready to be honest. I don't love you enough to die for you. I'm glad you're here. But that's as far as I can go. Jesus said to him, what? Feed my sheep. I'm telling you, when I saw this, I've known this for years, but when I saw this, man, I got so excited. Feed my sheep. What is he saying? I trust you right where you're at. I trust you right where you're at. Well, Lord, I'm going to make a lot of mistakes. We are all going to make a lot of mistakes. But if you'll let me heal you, I will punt you into ministry. (laughs) If you'll let me heal you, you'll find that you'll get more responsibility than everyone else. 
but you have to let me heal you. You have to let me love you. You have to be honest with the fact that you're not ready to say, I'm, I'm ready. And you know what? It was the same Peter who denied Jesus three times. The same Peter who denied Jesus also heard Jesus say this, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before God. And that same Peter who denied Jesus before men now is being reinstated and restored by that same Jesus. And it's that same Peter who's now being restored that on the day of Pentecost stood up and said, you denied the Christ to all his Jewish brothers and sisters. You denied him. You put him on the cross. That same Peter, right? And 3,000 people got saved. <laughs> the same one. So what do we see? God's heart, God's grace is greater. God's grace is greater. And I'm telling you, if you'll just be honest with yourself and honest with the Lord, you won't find a heavenly father that says, you don't love me. You're not willing to lay your life down for you. You're not willing to do it. You're not willing to do it. He won't say, give me back my gifts. Give me back my calling. Let's wait until you're, until you're ready, until you're more mature. He won't do that. He, take, he took Peter as he was. He took Peter as he was. And he healed Peter of the wounds. You deny me three times? No, admit it three times that you love me the way you do. And he came down to Peter and then he punts him into ministry. <laughs> I like that word this morning. That said, your heavenly father loves you. He loves you. And I'm telling you, by the grace of God, he wants to heal you so that you can lead his people. He wants to heal you so that you can continue being the head where you're at. He wants to heal you so that the favor of God can manifest every area of your life. So this morning, Father, we rest in your presence. And Father, we thank you for your truth. Father, more than that, we thank you for your heart. We thank you for your heart for us. And Father, I ask that this would never be something that we become numb to, that this would never be something that we become so accustomed to hearing that it just rolls off of us. Father, I ask that you would impart a fresh revelation of your love for us into the hearts and minds of everyone that's in here, Father, and everyone who, who calls this place a home. Father, I ask that it would register into their hearts as well, right where they're at, Lord, right where they're at, a revelation of your love for us, a fresh revelation of your love. And Father, whatever wounds anyone has in here, I've already prayed this, but again, I ask, Father, whatever scars anyone has on their hearts, whatever wounds anyone has from past houses, past places of, of worship, Father, whatever those wounds may be, I ask right now in the name of Jesus, Father, that your grace would fill their hearts right now. And Father, by your grace, that you would begin to heal them of those wounds, that you would begin to heal them of those scars. And Father, that they, by your love, would begin to let go of the pain that they experienced, myself included that they would begin to let go of that pain and that we could begin to forgive them because you have already forgiven us. We thank you for it, Lord. We thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And Father, I ask that you would begin to increase everyone in here in their ministry that you have given them, that you would begin to increase them in the ministry that you've given them. Father, I ask that you would begin to bring men and women into their lives to begin to sow into the vision that you've put into the hearts of everyone in here this morning. Father, that you would begin to surround them with wise men and women that will speak life into them, that will cause their ministry to flourish. Father, I ask that you would begin to open doors of opportunity, doors that we never even thought we could go through and doors we never even asked for. Father, this is a year of reaping where we have not sown. So Lord, I continue to ask that you would manifest that in the lives of everyone that's here this morning. Everyone that's here this morning, Father. And I thank you, Lord, that as we walk through this, people will begin to look at them and myself, begin to look at us and say, how did they get so lucky? And Father, I thank you the response from everyone in here will be, it wasn't luck, it was his favor. It was his favor. It was Jesus' favor on me.
that we can reap where we have not sown. So we thank you for it, Lord. We thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. Can you stand to your feet? Stand on your feet and just lift your hands. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. May the Lord bless you in your going out and in your coming in. May the Lord keep you and your family always at the right place at the right time. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance on you. And may you enjoy his peace this week. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. amen. I love you. We won't be meeting this week. Thanks for listening to Center Church Podcast. We trust that you've been blessed. If you'd like to receive more of our content in the future, you can email us at centercharlotte at gmail.com or just visit our website at centercharlotte.org. Thanks for tuning in and may God's grace cover you in every area of your life.